You've been listening to the podcast, the new author, Uncle Michon, I'm Not Your Black, from Louisville, Kentucky. This conversation, the family. You're welcome to another podcast. This is your Uncle Michon out of Louisville, Kentucky. I'm the new author. I'm not so black, America. What's up, Goldie? A long nice. time friend. What's up, dude? I mean, uh, uh, yeah, is that, uh, tell, where, where you at right now? I'm divorced. Yeah, things didn't work <laughs> out. But uh, that's life. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes right. people just ain't right. good for each other. Shake each other's hand. Give them forty or fifty thousand dollars and go on back your way. <laughs> <laughs> he said, you, I, I, "We call that you break it off and send them on their way." Hey, I, my my thing now. I don't see any value for it. There, there's no benefit to a man in getting married because if it don't work out, you get screwed. It, mm. uh, somebody going to drag you, me you down know, now. What you tapping, bro? It says. You ought to tap what you can manage and everything, bro. Hey, you know, sometimes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, sometimes we get caught up between the cat and everything. Ain't managing hey. the cat managing you know, everything. Hey, I, I was led by my eyes and and little <laughs> yoga pants and the heels. And, <laughs> <laughs> <you know. laughs> hey, that was an expensive lesson. You know what I'm saying? But uh, no, it wasn't all bad. I wasn't all bad, and I wasn't all good. She wasn't all bad, and she right. wasn't all good. So right. It just didn't work yeah. out. The, yeah. And the thing is that the only reason I happen to know about all this and everything because you the one introduced me to her who sold me my house. So there, they have a right, right or wrong. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You yeah, me, yeah, Sean, yeah. after we got uh, divorced, she saved my life, man. She what? Because she saved my life. Wow. And I'll just give you, yeah, because I had COVID and didn't know it. And uh, wow. I was sick. So my buddies were calling me and they said I sounded bad and I wasn't going to go to the hospital. So I had this little chick over and she <laughs> knew my ex. <laughs> so my ex <laughs> texted me and said, you need to go to the hospital. She said, I'm coming over. You're either going to go to the hospital or I'm going to call 911. So, so I didn't so know her coming over. Like you. You sound like your ex came back and had to mother you into good health, huh? Had to yeah, help you. I was you know, like, hey, for anybody who's watching this, me and him can clown at one another like this. He, yeah. he's hey, being you know, right they, they said another 24 hours, my lungs would have been too far gone to probably save me. Wow, yeah. dude. Lenny, go ahead. Yeah. I see the smile on Lenny's face. Lenny won't jump in here. Right. That, that was. Like you said, it's ain't all bad and ain't all good. Yeah. <laughs> she cared enough to come and check you out, man. Yeah. That's that's, yeah. that's, yeah. that's yeah. honorable. That's honorable, boy. We, we, we cordial now. We cordial. You know what? We shared a bed for ten years. We cordial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's yeah. good, man. Oh, man, I lost. I lost forty. I was on my back for thirty-one days. I lost forty pounds. Man, I couldn't breathe. They had me on oxygen. They was going. They was about to put me on the ventilator, man. And uh, they bought uh, respiratory therapist came in there with the little breathing machines and stuff. I got my mom, my my stepdad, my my sister, my both my nephews. Yeah, I, I knew some. I knew people that had COVID. 
One of my co-workers. Yeah. Matter of fact, both two two of my co-workers had COVID. So yeah. COVID definitely I knew a bunch of people. I didn't know anybody that died from COVID. People I knew people that got it. They created a vaccine in three months, okay, basically three months. Everybody in the medical field knows, okay, that thing had not been tested, okay? That, we don't even, we still don't know the results of what that thing going to do. And we probably will not know it, okay, until five, ten years from now. Anybody that understand the medical field, they had to come to, I worked in an operating room, man, we all... They, we almost lit it. We almost shut the OR down in the university hospital. We like, you don't made that nonsense up. We ain't taking an iron thing. And so they had to bring, they had to bring some of other people in and show us and talk to us about the importance of why it was important to take it. And they want see the questions with us. We wanted to know we were had, we in the medical field had a little bit knowledge and everything that we were concerned about who was manufacturing it and what potentially was in it and everything. And they had to come and talk to us. So the Pfeiffer was the one that was more reasonable versus that other one. Leonard, did you ever yeah, take it? Yeah, they stopped giving it to Johnson & Johnson. They stopped giving that oh, one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Leonard, did you ever take the vaccine? Yeah, I took, I took the Moderna because that was what the VA was offering. You couldn't get the Johnson & Johnson or the, the Pfizer. So I took the Moderna. Which was two shots, and then I took the the then I took the then I took the booster because I'm diabetic. Because I'm diabetic, I, I said to myself, I said, you know what? If I catch this, I probably won't survive it. Okay, so I need to take something so that my body will be able to fight the the, the fight off the disease, so that I won't just so that I won't check out of here. So I, I said, I'll take my chances with the, I'll take my chances with the, uh, what you call it, because like I said, everybody in my whole family caught it. So right. it was just a matter of time before I caught it. So I was like, I can't, in which they took the, they all of them, everybody took the vaccine in my family. So they were able to weather the storm of the, right. the actual disease. So like I said, and that's what it was about. A lot of people didn't understand it. I thought if you took the vaccine, you was going to be, it's not about being immune. It's about being, being able to survive it if you catch it. See, so Antibody. I was like, yeah, I can't. Right. If you take the vaccine, you won't get as sick. <laughs> then people are taking and getting sick. Now, if you take the vaccine, you won't die. And I know somebody that got both shots, double boosted, caught it and died. Okay. Yeah. And, and now uh, numbers uh, are coming out. That people with the vaccine, how many died? It's never been tested it on humans also, before. Let me tell you that little uh, cliffhanger as well. The government was paying hospitals to inject people with it. If the, the the number of patients that if your hospital injected in it, they were sending the hospitals extra government money. Literally. I'm a military now. I, I had already taken it, but when I heard that, I said, and then I see now that's some damn conspiracy there. Because whenever the government is paying somebody, okay, to use something and they sending you money, let me tell you something, man. 
what is capitalism? Capitalism is based on somebody's getting paid, whether it's good or not, somebody's getting paid, okay? And the person who's only getting paid only cares about one thing, Goldie, getting paid. They don't get right. what they don't know if it's good, whatever. If they're getting paid, that's all they care about. And I got I, and that's what led me. I, I've said I'm not taking not another thing. I'm done with it. Okay. When me so, showing, uh, when I was when I was in the Air Force, I got out on medical. Right? They was getting ready to send right. us to Kuwait, and uh, they give you all the shots, the anthrax, and all of that stuff. Forty five minutes after I got the shots, me and my buddies walked across to the chow hall, and we sitting there, and all of a sudden my chest starts shaking, and mm. I ended. Up Hospital, yeah, it threw my heart out of whack. Yep. Wow. So now the VA got to pay me for the rest of my life. Hey, know, speaking so of I, that, I, we got three, we got, we got three veterans up here. We and we ain't gonna we ain't gonna incriminate nobody on here, all right? All I'm gonna say to you is that I got a nice letter from the government telling me, look at here, you know, you keep going down here. Ain't got no evidence in your records and everything. What you going on and everything? We gonna do an investigation on you. Gonna get basically the letter. If you read between the lines, they would they brother. The let the letter came pretty strong, and did, I knew enough. Did to he help you? To back off. I never went overseas like that. I never. I was enough. I went to. No, no, no. You was in the you in the you was in the combat arms though. Were you not? What do you mean? I was a fireman was in, in the Air Force. Of, yeah, but you was the you but you was in no type of military units and everything that could put you in risk. And so you had to when you say you had to take those uh type of uh shots for Kuwait and all that type of stuff. No, whenever you, whenever, they, you go, whenever you go over in theater, I don't know how it was in the army, don't they give you shots and stuff? Because you know they was right. the anthrax vaccine and stuff, but right. you know how long I was right. in the military, Michelle? How long I was in the military? Less than two years. I was in for eight years. I took the anthrax shots. I took the PB tablets. I took Gamma Goblin, all of that. Going all of these places. So, yeah. And I'm 100% also. See, so like I said, is but to Mishan's point, <clears throat> these benefits were not afforded to our ancestors that went through World War II, Korea Say War. That. Like I said, my grandfather was a he was a, a World War II veteran of of a Navy World War II veteran of World War II. And he was denied the GI Bill, all of that. See yeah. Yeah, definitely all of the benefits I'm supposed to be getting, I'm getting them. And you know what? In the word that I want to say, y'all getting y'all inheritance has already been in, implemented out there. That many brothers and sisters that are that look like us that came before us, they didn't get the inheritance. This is why, and then I'm gonna slide this conversation. This is why I don't like the terminology reparation to ignorant folks. Okay, because you got people, and Leonard helped me to get here. You got ignorant people chasing a check that they won't even honor their ancestors that put things in place. They don't want to be associated to a slave, okay? They don't <laughs> want their name to be associated to a slave at all, but they want to chase reparation 
and everything, and, and, and don't want to honor the ancestors, of, oh, I call them the firstborn ancestors that put things in place. So I really believe that our firstborn ancestors actually created an inheritance for us, not reparation, okay? And I want y'all to just hear me out when I, what I mean is that they already, they blood, their life, their contribution, their wages, everything already been implemented in the core, in the fiber of this country. And we have to know how to use the right, both of us, literal, all of us literal, it might have been good before 1865 to use reparation, but after 1865, reparation is the wrong terminology. Leonard have a beautiful story of how his father got denied everything, and now he's able to take advantage of that. What do you say to that, Goldie, about when I say inheritance, I think is our terminology versus reparation? I really don't have a problem with the term reparations. I think if I was to say white America, if I wouldn't have any problem giving black people money. Because in 30 days, who's going to get the money back? They're going to get the money right oh. back. It's going to stimulate the economy. Okay, okay. So he's basically saying, and Leonard, you know what he's saying. He's basically saying we're so ignorant, okay, that we don't know what to do with the money anyway, okay? Governor, America, I heard this conversation before. If, if, if I heard some European Americans say this too. If America would do what knew what was right, they would just go ahead and pay all what up? All, how many of 45 million of us, okay, in America just cut us a check, okay, and sit back and see how it comes back to them. And then the moment that they do it, Goldie, what are they going to say? But here's what here's the thing is because of this con reparations conversation is a lot of us are wising up because what's happening now is now we're starting to get some financial intelligence. All right. We're starting to see, OK, literacy, whatever money we get. Whatever, yeah. Financial literacy, financial. Yeah. So we're getting this money. And instead of going out and spending it, we're investing it on ourselves to, or investing it in the future to create a legacy of wealth. So when that, this is the thing that, that really the government does not want to happen because they want us to be a permanent underclass, right? Cash cow. Yeah, permanent underclass, cash cow. They still basically, basically a different form of slave status. So like I said, is is what's happening is we're wising up. As we're getting, you say, we got more of us are investing, more of us are buying real estate, more of us are opening businesses, more of us are doing, and the thing is, all we really needed was capital. So this money becomes capital. You look at what's happening in Evanston, Illinois, and see, like I said, is inheritance, what, what I'm gonna say is this, what we've inherited was the struggle. <clears throat> All right, the struggle that our ancestors have, have tried to fight for, and that's the struggle of being a full-fledged, full citizen, full-fledged, full citizenship of what America is supposed to be for us. Right, reparations. You still have reparations because you have generations of people affected by stuff beyond slavery. You still had a hundred years of Jim Crow, 
My grandfather was affected by Jim Crow, right? And you still have that, which has affected the generations after wealth is not something that happens in a generation. Wealth is something right. that's built over generations. See, so it takes, you look at Donald Trump. When Donald Trump was talking about how his father gave him his first million dollars to, to invest it in his son, right? His father gave him his first million dollars, and that was, it was hard times back then. Okay, that has yeah. always escaped, uh, escaped those who came before us. We have inherited the struggle, but we are much more astute. I want to add, we are much more astute than our brothers and sisters and our fathers and there. And, and I know Goldie knows about this because Goldie and I've had these arguments. I'm calling you Andy. If they would have done that maybe 50 years ago and just dropped us the money and, and, and told us to be, here it is. Here's your reparation, okay? I'm I think 50 years ago, our grandfathers, great grandfathers, I think they would have been more responsible with the money. Uh, our communities okay. in chaos. Say, for example, they gave every black person in this country a million dollars. I put, I got a sister. You give her a million dollars today, she gonna have it smoked up by tomorrow afternoon. So, how do they differentiate? Or I got a cousin, you give him. Dollars, he's gonna buy a million dollars worth of dope and he's gonna flip it. So how how do you differentiate who you give the money to? I think reparations should be in the forms of we should be tax exempt. We shouldn't have to pay no taxes here. You know what I'm saying? We should get free education. I think that would be reparations. That would help because if you grossing three thousand dollars a week and you don't have to pay no taxes, that's gonna help your family financially. You see what I'm saying? We should be well, tax exempt. I know. I, I, I do believe there needs to be some type of financial because it, it, it just keep it all the way one hundred. If you own a home and everything, you invest in a home and you keep that home for twenty years and everything, and you get equity out of that. Okay, there's some equity out of it. Many of our people have never experienced that before, and I think. Before we give them the money, we need to do what uh, Dr. Noah Schulter was saying. We need to have an incubator period of time where we need to educate our people on what it is they need to do. I say we do just like how they did with the Japanese, how they did with the Jews, how they do with the Native Americans, how they did with the Germans, how they did with everybody else that they gave reparations to. They did not put stipulations. They just gave them the money. You know what? Just give, them, give us the money. Those who are going be foolish but enough of us are going to take that money and create businesses and do a bunch of different things with our families okay to where we're establishing wealth and a legacy of wealth so i don't think that we should because like i said it's many of us have a lot of great ideas a lot of good potential there we just need the capital to get this stuff off the ground and that's what we need is that capital to get it off the ground, they're already there's already it's already happening. And like I said, in Evansville, Illinois, they had policies where they were denying, they were redlining the the ADS community, the black community, housing, and had discriminatory practices. So now the city of Evansville, Illinois, is cutting checks, twenty five thousand dollar checks for its black residents who lived there, who could prove and went back and say, hey. 
you know what? You denied my grandfather. You denied my grandmother. We couldn't buy because buying a house is important. Ever since doing that, Minnesota is talking about $50,000 to black residents. Minnesota and the Dakotas for the, the, the discriminatory practice because, like I said, is the, the furthest north lynching in America was in Duluth, Minnesota. And that's just, just about as far north as you can go. See, this reparations thing is not going away until some money is going to get. And if it happens in dribs and drabs, just the judge that ruled that dismissed the case for the actual survivors of yes. the Tulsa, Oklahoma massacre. Oh, okay. you know about that? That one. You know about that? that one. Think about the position that judge was in. Had she granted that, that would have established oh, yeah. case law, right? Yeah. So. Oh yeah. As European, I guarantee she, she didn't want her name on, on that because that would just start a domino effect. So she pretty much had to do what she did. Because she stayed on code. That's what that she called she it. On code. Not, hey. that, so that leads right into why me and Goldie, again, Goldie found out about my billboards all over the city and everything. And me being a new author, title of my book, I'm Not So Black America, because recently I broke, at least I broke a code a little. I had some boys have to break the code, okay? I was financially, I'm a, Hey, Leonard, I was financially capable to hold out three days before jury selection to make them come to the table and and cut me a little something. And Goldie, that is why you say, I love you. I got to get you to say it too. You can see my billboards. You can see what's all in the news and everything. And what did you say when you first said, I got to hear what you got to hear what yeah. you told me when I. Hey, hey Leonard. You familiar with the J Django, right? Django, yeah. You remember when Jamie Foxx came on the horse with that nice fine outfit on and riding up on them white folks, <laughs> stunting on them? <laughs> That's what Mishan's doing. He's stunting on them. Hey. They call Mishan Django. Uh -oh. so he, so he <laughs> hey, hold on, Mishan. You know why folks love soccer. They built a nice, beautiful soccer stadium downtown right there on the river. Oh, it's state of the art. Mishan puts a he's got a digital billboard, so whenever they go to the soccer game, they see Mishan on the billboard. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, 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 that's that's Uncle Mishan Untamed. That, that, was, that, that was not. I'm gonna. They thought I was gonna take my what up, okay? And I was gonna go into the sunset, okay, and be a good Negro, okay, and be happy. My wife be on vacations. We be on all type of stuff and all this. They thought that I was gonna be able to never hear of me again. That was what they. That's why. It's called a gag. That's why they. That's why they wanted to be done with me and go up. The last thing that, they wanted—that's why we need to move on from this before loose lips sink ships. The dominant European culture is concerned about what we will do with this reparation money or inheritance money moving forward. Okay, there is some truth in that. Okay, 
there is some serious concern about what the potential because as much as we sitting up here clowning and you all sitting up here saying that people might have done more better with it back then i think that we really in the times that if that inheritance or reparation money dropped in our period of time i believe that there will be a new birth of brothers and sisters doing things in this country okay unheard of because we will know what to do with the finances way better than we would have known 50 30 years ago that's all Leonard, is that where you're going i i really believe there's some there is some conversation in that okay Leonard, you want to speak i'm gonna say i'm gonna say no because in the 1960s pre-1970 Pre-1970, 1955, 1960, we were married at 85%. Okay, 85% okay, from the age. Okay, you do have to put that yeah, okay. hmm. So we were building families. So what we needed was some capital to create a family right. business because we've seen all these immigrants doing that. We had our own communities. Segregation <laughs> forced us to have to create our own businesses and our own things to support our own communities. Like I said, is what we needed was the capital to be able to get ahead. And if we would have got the capital then, we'd, we would us, not be where we, we at today. No, we'd be a, much further along. We, it would be established wealth. We would, we'd be significant. That you just said is valid because we 71% now in divorce, okay? We, 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 you know, head of household is women, okay? Most young men, that's why we got young men. We're going to go into your conversation here, Goldie. Most young men don't have a clue what a man is, okay? And many of the women are teaching little boys to be little girls. When you are a white male who can identify, you can be a white male and identify yourself as a female, compete in an all-female athlete sport, and win the darn sport and then sit back and tell people how they're wrong to criticize you for winning or all feet. He said, that's white privilege. I think about what he just said, because he said, tell me if any brothers would have, any track field brothers decided that they wanted to run an all female track field. And they just said, and they were like, they would, would they would allow would they allow us brothers to change this because you wanted to be a female? Would, 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 would they give well, us they, that they, right? They, they've done that in high school. They've done that in high school. They got where you got trans, trans black trans that are running track, okay, and winning because that's one of the arguments. Is wait a minute, this person is just completely dominant. But irregardless, it still goes back to, still goes back to the larger organization, the schools, all right, the predominantly white schools or whatever, or the PWIs. Dominant majority, yeah, dominant. We want to win at any cost, all right. So we'll allow this to happen, right? We'll allow, we'll allow biological males to compete with biological females. Just because this biological male 
is saying that I am this gender. Now he just put on hey, hey, just because it's biological male says I'm gonna put on a, a woman costume. All right, and that's what it is. That's what I call it. Costume. I'm gonna tell you how crazy it is. I was at a nightclub what two weeks ago down in New Loop. It was a white, predominantly white nightclub, and I had to go to the bathroom. So I went in the men's restroom, and there was a line. So I came out in the hallway. And coming out of the women's restroom was a tranny, full drag. <clears throat> so the bouncer was standing right there. I said, hey, man, I'm about to use this bathroom. He said, I can't let you go in there. I said, man, I'm identifying as a woman. And uh, <laughs> he said, go in. And I wouldn't have used the bathroom, man. <laughs> identifying as a woman. I said, you can't tell me how I feel. When I came out, I identified as a man. That's how stupid this is. You know what I'm saying? Now, oh. my grandmother's 99 years old. My grandmother's 99 years old. She's been a female for 99 years. Now you got some weird old dude dressed in drag telling her she's a cis, C-I-S woman, and he's a woman. You know, they mm. changing the definitions. And now you got some idiot, I think in California, suing a gynecologist because the gynecologist refused to see him. He said, we don't do that here. What is You got a man sitting there with a whole Johnson. What is the gynecology supposed to examine? Gynecology is the study of female reproductive organs. You got to go see your urologist, buddy. <laughs> what you got to do is, is look at this stuff. You got to look at the big picture here. One of the first things we have to realize is that in this country, we are a plutocracy. That's where the wealthy control everything. They create the laws, all of it, right? That's the one percenters. So in order for plutocracy to work, because everybody else, no matter what race, color, creed, religion you are, everybody else, okay, is beneath the, the plutocracy and the plutocrats. Right? Everybody else is. And, and, and the masses of people will always outnumber everybody else. The police, the army, the, the, the everybody. Right? So if the masses of people ever united under one cause, all right, and said, you know what? Forget about skin color. Forget about all of this kind of stuff. Right? All of these ridiculous things are affecting all of us. All right? And we all have the same goals. We all want families. We all want good lives, all of this kind of stuff, right? We all, we all want the freedom that America promises, right? If the masses ever got united, the plutocrats would be in trouble because now the masses would be able to create policies and stuff to where the money goes, where it's supposed to go and all this. They declassified, in 1972, they declassified homosexuality and trans and what it, I forget the, the technical term for tra what transgenders are. But whatever the medical condition was, they declassified that from being a mental disorder. So once they did that, in 1972, the ball started rolling. Okay? So right. here we are today. All right? See, these people are playing five moves ahead. Right? So you think about uh. 50 years ago, somebody did something that had planted some seeds and now it's bearing fruit right now. 
but it's all designed to create confusion. I'm the new author that wrote the new book, I'm Not Your Black America. The primary reason why I broke that book is because after navigating in the dominant European environment as a surgical technologist, I realized that uh, I was in an environment that based on the color of my skin, they tried to box me into something that I wasn't. Because of my family, I did not raise up in the traditional black churches. I didn't hang out in the traditional an environment among my people and everything. So I didn't have the traditional ideology, the, the slang and the dialogue. But when I was in that environment, they started telling me, me, Sean, you not black, you not African American, but we are the descendants of American slaves because what this country done to a demographic <laughs> of people that was born on 15 slave states. I didn't write my book to talk to us first. I wrote my book to talk to the dominant European culture. I am not your nigga, America, okay? I ain't that guy, okay? I am much more than that. I am much more than that because my creator said I am much more than that. And you will not box me in no color construct to keep me somewhere. And I'm speaking for all the ancestors of brothers who could not speak before. Go ahead, Goldie. I'll be damned. If I call myself the descendants of American slaves, I'm a human being and, and I'm an American. And if you look up the 1920, 1928 or 1828 Webster's Dictionary, the definition of Americans back then was the original copper color people on this land. Who's copper color? You know what I'm saying? So if you're going to say you're not black, then why would you? We're more than slaves. We are uniquely Americans, Goldie. Hear me. I, this is not about just the identity and the terminology. This is about getting what this country owes us. We have a birthplace, a birthright, and an inheritance. But 100, 400 moves, two 400 centuries moves he, ahead of us, okay? And if we don't learn how to play the game of chess back on America, the first thing you have to do is show them you making new moves. You can't make the moves still being, still operating in the name of the person that they named you. You will never win a game that way. You have to do something different. So what I said to my dominant European culture in the operating room, and the first people who I would have said this to first, I didn't go to us. Because I already knew how damn confused and dysfunctional we were. I stepped in the operating room and I said to each and every one of them, today, you will no longer see me or I will no longer identify as black. I am proud to honor my ancestors. I am a descendant of American slaves and I don't see you white no more. You know what, Goldie? I was prepared I was prepared to fight anybody who was going to disagree with me because everybody in that room was white. This older European man walked over to me, man. It, he took the fight out of me, okay? He walked over to me and shook my hand and said, I already know you're descendants of American slaves. This country made people, this country made their wealth off of slaves. I already know that. I looked at him like, what? Yes, you are descendants. And he shook my hand. He said, congratulations for learning who you really are. 
That blew me away. And from that day forward, I realized I was in the right track. Had I not done that, had he not done that, I don't know what else. Here's what I'm going to say about it, is that I think what we have to do is control the narrative of our identity. Okay? And that's what's been the problem, is you've had with black, they've controlled the narrative of our identity. Now, we've tried to take it back, okay, over the time, but they still have controlled the narrative of that identity. They cannot control the narrative of our identity if we identify with our enslaved ancestors, all right? Because that right there, when you talk about lineage, okay, our enslaved ancestors, all right, we can't separate ourselves because it's an issue that has not been resolved, okay? It's the reason why we're here. And I get a lot of people say, we, ain't, we, we didn't come from slaves. We didn't, I say, okay, let's think about this. Yeah, within our ancestry, we have different people, okay, and different groups. But the reason why we are here in America for most of us, okay, for most of us, is that we are here because of American slavery, all right? And our enslaved ancestors endured American slavery, all right, so that we are here, okay? So that is the issue, that is the lineage, and that can't be co-opted, right? Nobody can come and say that, up. Oh, yep, wait a minute, I was slaves, I was American slave. No, you weren't, okay? You were not. You might have been an indentured, a descendant of an indentured servant, all right? They got their freedom, all right? But for American slaves, American slaves were American slaves, the enslaved Americans, all right? Us, born, our ancestors were slaves. Red. Vita Durante, that is for life, or Durante Vita, I'm sorry, Durante Vita, during life. That means you are going to be a slave from the time you were born to the time you die, okay? Most of our ancestors, if you go all the way back to the history of slavery, most of our ancestors never escaped slavery. It wasn't until after, six, after 1865 that you had some ancestors. I've got ancestors, two of them that I know of, that were born <laughs> slaves that actually lived out, but they lived in Jim Crow segregation, right, after slavery. But my point to all of that is that, my point to all of that is that is when we look at our lineage, it's like links in a chain, okay? So you go to this link, you go to this link, you go to this link. One of those links, all right, in that chain is an enslaved ancestor, right? And we in America have not resolved that issue yet, okay? That is an unresolved Amen. Slavery stopped and all is still unresolved because you still locked us out of the wealth process building, wealth building process of America. So that's where we are. It's, it's, if we look at America as, an, as a family, it's like we're America's abused children within that family. Okay. And that right. abuse, that trauma, all of that, we're still carrying that. Okay. And until America can come to say, all right. We have to deal with this. We have to reconcile this issue, whether it be money, whether it be apologies, whether it be whatever it is, all right? We still have to reconcile it. So that's where we are with this.
and I can understand all points. But the, the good part about it, when I say, when we call ourselves descendants of American slaves or FBA or whatever you want, it links us back to our lineage and we control that narrative that cannot be co-opted by anybody else. Like some of our that's other movies why, have been co-opted. That's why in that, I love that you added that co-op. See, black can be co Black has been co-opted. Everybody and their daddy want to co-opt black. You got people from Haiti. You got people from all that. Just because they, they can co-opt that. But when you say that you are a descendant of American slave or American descendant slave, no one can co-opt that, okay? Yeah, that you got a lineage. Nah, baby, let me explain something to you. My ancestors was one of the ancestors off of one of these 15 slave states that indoctrinated, that created slaves in this country. If you can't find your ancestors in like get your ass out of my lineage. You ain't in here, all right? That's what I really like with uh, uh, the idea that we cannot be co-opted when you say we are descendants of American slaves. And so I just want to say, as this show, uh, uh, Goldie, you want, to, you want to say something? I was just going to throw something in there real quick. Have y'all been paying attention to what's going on in Africa? Yeah, yeah I just it's, read something, man. News, go to Al Jazeera. Hey, those countries in Africa, they said that colonialism and imperialism is over. Y'all got to go. And they're not Did playing over there. And Russia and China are sending weapons to weapons so that African nations can build up their own armies and defend themselves. They're building infrastructure. Where the United States wants to send Nobody. Uh, laws, where the United States wants to send LGBTQ laws uh, <laughs> or human rights issues. So right. that's yeah. what African nations say. How are you going to tell us how we're going to? You're not giving us of anything of any value. But then again, like I said, in 2050, it's already been predicted that people of African descent will be the largest populist people on the planet. Okay? We'll outnumber Chinese, Indians, everybody. So this is one of the I, things that they're doing is, is that, just disrupting our family structure. <clears throat> that is why we must identify to the descendants of slaves because we are the cousins from Africa, and we have the wealth. We have access to wealth in this country that we can assist our brothers and everything. But we can't, as long as we separate and fighting against one another, we don't understand the wealth that we have in this country that's sitting right there with our name on it. Here's what I want to say is from a military perspective, what we have to do as individuals is ask ourselves, how am I individually ready to serve the collective? All right. Am I combat ready? Am I fit to fight? All right. Am I fit to join the struggle? All right. Am, can I be compromised? Is, is my finances in order? Am my physical health in order? Is, are my kids in order? Am I on the right path? This is how you establish unity. Okay. Because unity is the key to making all of this stuff happen. And that's what we don't have right now. We're jumping directly, we're jumping directly into issues, all right, that we're unprepared oh. to deal with. So, so like I said, it's, that's what we gotta think about is what as an individual, what's my individual responsibility so that I can be prepared to work and help the collective do what we have to do. Hey, Leonard, 
basically summed it up. Uh, I enjoyed the show, Sean, and I just want people to just go take a look at what's going on in Africa. They trying to come together with unity and, and, and it's beautiful to see the countries and what they're doing and they're realizing their strength together and we can watch what they're doing in Africa. And if we could do that here, man, we could change a whole lot of stuff. Cause it's beautiful. What what I'm said, yeah. I, I, I like what both of y'all said. I'm glad that actually y'all brought, brought that conversation. That's a good thing to close this show. Unity is what we seek. And that's the only thing. And that's why we said, we got there because we had this conversation and that makes us family. So I want to appreciate y'all fellas, y'all brothers for being here. This broadcast has been the conversation. You've been listening to uncle me showing with the rest of my family. We here and we will hope that you come back, you know, participate and share with this show with other people because we're not going nowhere. We are just going to continue building on this unity to make this thing continue growing so we can keep this family growing. This is Uncle Mishawn signing out. This has been The Conversation. Dot family, welcome to the family. You've been listening to the podcast, the new author, Uncle Mishawn, I'm Not Your Black, from Louisville, Kentucky. This conversation, the family, you're my family.